Hey everybody, welcome to Ed on Ed, the show where we dive deep into the topic of eating disorders, looking below the surface and beyond the basic. I'm your host Liz, and I'm ready to learn something new. I hope you are too. I'm joined as always by Dr. Ed Tyson, who is a physician who has been specializing in eating disorders for over 30 years. Good afternoon, Dr. Tyson. Good afternoon. Last week we talked about fat. And I called it a boogeyman because of the extreme negative baggage fat has in America. Looking around these days, I see the beginnings of a new boogeyman, sugar. The same claims that were being made about fat are now being made about sugar. Have you heard this from any of your patients? Many of them. Yes, it's common. America has this tendency to be very hyperbolic about food. It's either a miracle that will solve all of your problems or it's a sin. What do you think are the dangers of demonizing a specific food? You hear us talk a lot about good food, bad food. And actually what we in the field of eating disorders want to do is tell people that it's it's all food is good food. I ask the question, if you're traveling somewhere and there's somebody starving on the side of the road and you've got two choices to give them, one would be a Greek salad with feta cheese and julienne vegetables and some light Greek dressing on it, or a double mac and fries, and a milkshake. Which one would give that person more of what he needs? And I've had both answers. Some will say right off, of course, the one that has more nutrients in it. But some will say the one that has more nutrients in it is the salad because it's got vegetables, it's got all that really healthy stuff. And then I'll say, what is it that person needs more right now? Is it minerals and vitamins, or is it more calories, heat, fat, protein, and carbohydrate to keep them alive and going and growing. And then the others can be added on in addition. Definitely. I do understand, though, why people have a hard time answering that question, because so much of the messaging that they get out there is telling people that there's a good way and a bad way. And there's very little discussion or room for individual dietary needs or the fact that some things are good sometimes and not good other times it really can depend because that doesn't sell things as easily as good versus bad does or black and white thinking does you are correct that it sometimes a person would need more of one thing than another it really depends on circumstances or some people may have certain illnesses like celiac disease or inflammatory bowel disease other things like that and their requirements can be different. Diabetics can be different. So it depends on the individual. What I'm noticing is just a wide variety of what the right choices can be and a look towards the individual instead of towards everyone needing the same thing. Whereas in advertising and a lot of what people see on social media, maybe even from their doctor, is a kind of one-size-fits-all approach to food. I really hope people out there benefit from how we're going to talk about sugar in this episode. If you're looking for an explanation of the negative effects of sugar, you can find it. That's not what our goal is today. Our goal is to attempt to balance out the equation in some way, describing sugar in a neutral way, and even showing some cases where sugar could save someone's life. So let's get into the neutral. Medically and biologically, what is sugar? When people talk about sugar, they're really talking about carbohydrate. Carbohydrate can come in many foods, from beans to table sugar. 
The question is, what happens when it goes into the body? It's all broken down into glucose. And then your body takes glucose and decides to use it where it's needed. In most people, the brain uses about 60% of the glucose that's used. So if you're on a low-carb diet and you're going to take the SAT test, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because your brain does not have all the fuel that it really needs. That's not the only fuel the brain can use, but it is the one where it performs the best. So in a way, you could say sugar is part of what makes you smart, at least what lets your brain function the way it needs to. People who are low in glucose can be as non-functioning as a severely ill drunk. We're going to get into that later because I have some specific things to say, but I think we still need to break it down a little bit more. Besides the brain, what's the value of sugar? Why do we need it? Glucose is used primarily to fuel, like I said, the brain, but also muscle. The first, oh, say 20 to 40 minutes or so of exercise is fueled by glycogen or stored glucose in the muscles. If without it, the cells aren't working so well, and then you can't perform mentally or physically. Now remember, muscles aren't just your biceps and deltoid and quads. You have muscles in your GI tract, you have muscles in your eye, you have muscles that is a really big one, really important one that works 24-7 and never stops, the heart. I also want to bring us back to what you said at the beginning of your description of sugar or glucose, that it can come from things like what we would see as a bag of sugar added to something like a cake, but can also come from a carrot. How does that work? Well, they all have carbohydrate in them. Some people will say to me, you know, they had a rice cake before bed and that was their snack. Rice cakes have what's called a a glycemic index that is really high, meaning it converts into glucose really quickly. So you can get a sudden jump in your glucose, but then you also get a sudden drop. I'm feeling these buried memories of chemistry coming back once again. I feel like that's going to happen in every episode. Uh, But learning about something for complex carbohydrates versus simple. Simple Mm. is used faster. Complex breaks down more over time. And that might be the difference between something like a rice cake and like a whole grain roll. Am I I sounding, am I anywhere on the mark? I think you're pretty close to on the mark. The question is, which one would be better? Under what circumstance? Let's take somebody who has diabetes and they took too much insulin to explain something really quickly. Insulin is what you need in your body to put glucose in the cells so they can work. If you don't have enough glucose in your bloodstream to feed them, then you start to become hypoglycemic. When diabetics can have this, it can be an emergency. They can drop their glucose so fast and become comatose, have seizures, or in fact die. To jump off of that, I uh, was trained to be an EMT, and we learned about hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia. Uh, Glycemia referring to the amount of glucose in the bloodstream, Mm -hmm. and hyper meaning too much, and hypo meaning too little. One of the things we were always taught to consider when someone is presenting with 
what appears to be like they're not really there, they're not fully understanding what's going on around them, seeming disoriented. You know, you should be looking for signs like head injury or intoxication with a substance, but always one of them you're supposed to remember is hypoglycemia, um, some sort of sugar emergency, because it can present as if you had gotten hit on the head or you were very intoxicated when actually all you need is to suck on a tube of sugar. (laughs) Exactly. I've been involved in three times on a flight when they asked for a doctor and each time it was low glucose was the cause. You know, this reminds me of what we were talking about earlier, this idea that different people need different things. I also remember back to a story from EMTs where somebody was obviously in some sort of hypoglycemic emergency and they said, give me some apple juice, give me any sort of like sweet drink. They brought back a sugar-free soda. <laughs> it was like, no, we need, we, need, uh, we need something with sugar. And they're like, but sugar's bad. They're like, in this case, no, this is actually, we'll do nothing for this person. Oh yeah. That's the craziness that can come from this evil versus good food. So going back also to the idea of needing it right away versus later, one of the things you can do, well, let's say you need to exercise. You want to play a game or you're running a race or you're swimming. You have five events in the afternoon that you have to be up for. One of the things that helps keep your glucose up is to eat it with protein. Protein slows the absorption. And so you get a gradual infusion into your body of the glucose. And then gradually goes down. And so you can keep it up for a longer period of time. Have supply for your heart and your other muscles and also for your brain. So you're saying something like a candied bacon would be good to eat before working out. Um, yes. It would be better than having no sugar or having low sugar. Um, absolutely it would. All right. That's the kind of of out-of-the-box thinking that you get on this podcast. (laughs) Let's get into a real-world story about someone who their sugar levels really cause some serious problems for them. Who are we going to be learning about today? So this is a story about a country boy named Elliot. He was 16, and Elliot worked hard. He worked out in the fields and all that. Well, he decided one day he was going to get healthy. What do people say you're supposed to do? Eat less and exercise more. He got a trainer at the Y. He was working out there, doing all that. And his mom called me one day and said, you need to see him. I think he's got an eating disorder. He came in. His heart rate was 26 when he walked into the office. 26 resting or? 26 resting heart rate. And that is after dipping smokeless tobacco twice before his appointment, which was in the morning. Which should raise your heart rate. Absolutely. That much nicotine is IV nicotine. What's so bad about having a lower heart rate, right? That's something good that happens if you work out a lot. Well, the question is, when is slow heart rate a sign of health or a sign of demise? And in his case, there was too little energy available and so his heart rate slowed down because that actually uses a lot of muscle power which uses a lot of calories he didn't have so he goes to the hospital and he does pretty well he was hospitalized for a while and and came out and he was doing fine now about a year later he was working out in the fields again one summer he had 
I believe he said two breakfast tacos in the morning and something to drink, had a little bit of water. And in the afternoon when he was done, this was late afternoon near when the sun was going down, he was digging fence post holes. So it was heavy labor. He went over to some friend's house and they had beer and he said he had a sip of it and he said, no, that's not what I need. I need food. He got in his pickup truck and he drove to the local Sonic. He got there as the Sonic was closing, and he was so upset, so angry. He was cursing and stuff like that, but they were closing. Oh, he was upset that he was so hungry. I get to Sonic, Sonic's closing. And he said, "I, I knew I shouldn't be driving, so he decided to lay down in his truck. Then a DPS officer and a county sheriff drive up he was asleep in this pickup it was an old pickup the officer asked him to get out of the car he gets out of the car comes around to the front of the car and he's standing there they're talking to him all of a sudden he passes out and hits the ground they stood there for i counted it for one minute and looked at him looked at each other and the DPS officer went around to the truck looked inside the truck opened the other side looked in the back and they came up Nothing. And then the DPS officer starts, and you can't see this because it's below the angle of the camera, but he bends down to check his pockets. Not his pulse. No. The only thing they assumed was that he had been drinking. Why would someone confuse someone who's passing out from lack of food with someone who's drunk? Good question. They claimed that they smelled metabolized grain alcohol on his breath. Why did his breath smell really sweet, kind of like alcohol? Yeah, fermented kind of mm-hmm. smell. And that's because when you're starving, you start breaking down fat and you produce ketones. And that has that characteristic odor when you smell it, you know it. But it's not the smell of alcohol, but it can be confused with it. And if you go in with the presumption of that, well, the guy's just drunk. Turns out he, when the officer checked his pockets, the guy wakes up and feels somebody putting his hand in his pocket. And he's just been unconscious. He then kicks out, kicks the officer. And before you can blink, the deputy tases him. They call the EMS. EMS shows up. What was the EMS going to do, right? I mean, I hope I would know what they would do, but I'm what worried you would that do they is, didn't do. I mean, for, one of the things you could do is test his blood alcohol level mm-hmm. or test his glucose level, Correct. which is something you're supposed to do if somebody's presenting. Maybe so. even ask him some questions. Have you been drinking? Or ask him some questions before yeah. you pull out a taser. Yeah. yeah. So then he was transported to the jail and had no food, no water until the next afternoon when his dad picked him up at the jail. He could have died in jail. You know, it could have been somebody diabetic. It could have been somebody who had a brain tumor. It could have been all kinds of things. Somebody who accidentally overdosed on medication or side effects. You have no idea. And sadly, it was an assumption. It turns out all the reports about hitting cars or hitting somebody, none of it was true. So he was... The only reason he was there was for a report that had nothing to do with him. Um... And he was I'm arrested sure. and charged with DWI. As well as assaulting an officer? Did they? No, no they didn't do that. Okay. Fortunately. <laughs> I'm not going to call that a kindness, but I'm glad that at least didn't follow him around.
So how do you fight back against this, against people who say this guy was drunk? You explain what else can happen that can present that way and what was likely to have happened in him. Number one, he had not eaten. He had not had much water. He had not intended to be starving. In fact, he was going to get some food. He was going to get fast food because he needed it fast, and that was good on his part. He also had enough sense to not drive, even though he was desperately hungry and he slept because he was probably extremely tired. If he had gotten Sonic, this would be a completely different story. Obviously, I don't blame Sonic for this issue. Mm. What I'm trying to say is, um, in his individual case, something like fast food or something like a sugary beverage could have completely changed his countenance. Within a minute or two. Right, and it's, it's awful that even after going into custody, he still doesn't get any food, which could have quickly turned around how he was presenting. I wonder what would have happened had they had seen a 38 or a 26 glucose, something like that, what they would have done then. It's such a shame that it's easier to get arrested than it is to get medical attention. Yeah, so that's one of those things that can happen. But people can have low glucose and have no idea. He didn't realize he was getting low until he was around food and stuff, and he just got this sudden craving, and he was so, I'm sure he was so very low. At levels, I see levels that other doctors don't see, how, how low it can go. Right, because we're taught anything below 60 is severe, severe. But you were talking about in the 30s. Oh, I've seen people drop their glucose into the 30s within 45 minutes after a full documented lunch. And that's also with a full breakfast, a snack, and lunch. But they were in this recovery stage of their eating disorder, and they burned up that glucose so fast, it just plummeted. Right, so this is even a more unique situation where there's probably doctors out there, like you're saying, who are like, hmm, low glucose, I understand what this is, but if they don't understand eating disorders and the fact that you can have that quick spike to drop, even after eating the things you're supposed to eat, uh, can lead to errors on the medical side as well. And I can tell you there have been doctors I have asked them to check and they refuse because they said, no, we checked it. And said, so we'll give them some glucose and check it in an hour. They refuse. And of course, then later when I see them, we get exactly what I was predicting. So Elliot now has a charge on his record. What happens next in his story? Elliot went to trial and I testified on his behalf and I explained what happened. They found him guilty of DWI, even though there was no breathalyzer, no blood alcohol, even though he had that episode, which I explained, but they found him guilty. Now, get this. The prosecutors even agreed that he wasn't guilty at the end. But the judge said, we can't ignore what the jury did. We have to do that, but we're going to give him a very light probation. But still, he has that on his record. You know, you were talking about the importance of educating people, but we now have these two back-to-back examples of people being obstinate even in the face of some evidence, right? These doctors, you're saying, check the glucose at this time, you'll see what I'm talking about. And they refuse until you can show it to them. Or this jury who 
hears what's happening but still goes for a guilty verdict unanimously why do you where do you think this obstinacy comes from i think there's ignorance about eating disorders i explain why this could happen in particular with him and there was also the idea that that really doesn't happen i think that's not really what happens or that's so rare and that really this guy must have been drunk. And, and they they told the attorney that, you know, they didn't believe the story. They just didn't believe it. Ignorance I mean, goes everywhere. And that's why we're doing this is hopefully people out there now who hear this will understand that A, eating disorders can have low glucose. And it can occur very quickly and have very severe reaction without people realizing sometimes that that's what's going on. Right. And I also think Elliot defies some other stereotypes around someone who has an eating disorder. He's this country boy working in the fields, trying to go get some Sonic. I think when a lot of people hear the word eating disorder, they might say, oh, I've never seen that in a movie or TV show. That's not what an eating disorder looks like. There's an importance to that, to getting these real stories out there to humanize, once again, the wide variety, the full spectrum of how eating disorders can affect anyone, not just a particular subset of people. So if you were to kind of have a takeaway for people who listen to this episode, maybe something they could talk to a friend about, talk to a coworker about, talk to their family about, what do you think the takeaway would be? I think what we started off with, and that is, is sugar a bad thing? In spite of what you may hear, what are the benefits of having glucose in your body? How else do you get it? Well, carbohydrate or sugar, depending on the source. And it's not a bad thing. Like so many things involves a balance of how much food you need and versus, you know, too much or too little. If I were to put that takeaway in my own words, it would be that we need to stop saying one thing is bad, period, and in the conversation there. It oversimplifies things. It hides stories about individuals who could be having a unique relationship with that thing. And it can lead to situations like this where you don't understand what a person is going through because you've only looked at a subject from one angle. So I hope today people get a new understanding of sugar. I know I'm not gonna change everyone's mind, but I just hope you're able to see it from at least one new angle instead of as this big bad, as just something that some people need more of, some people need less of. I agree, I think that would be great. Thank you, Dr. Tyson, for sharing your knowledge and expertise. And thank you, listeners, so much for taking the time to learn something new. Till next time, I'm Liz. And I'm Ed. And this has been Ed on Ed. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Ed on Ed podcast to hear what we're up to. And if you learned something today, please rate and review our podcast. It helps us reach more people. But the best way to share our podcast is to recommend it to a friend or family member who you think will get something from our discussions. Thank you to Tyson Creation for our podcast cover art. You can check them out at Tyson Creation on Instagram. Thank you as well to In Between Productions for producing and editing this podcast. You can see their work at inbtwnprod.com or at 
in between underscore productions on Instagram. If you are interested in being an advertising partner or creating original music for the podcast, please reach out to edonedpodcast at gmail.com.